The Mishnah is now going through the Pesukim, which are stated in Vidre HaMaisras, which is the declaration which one makes on Pesach of the 4th and 7th year of the Shemitah cycle, once he has given all of his tithes, and the Mishnah is going through what each part of the Pesukim is referring to. So although one doesn't say these parts, he only says the Pesukim themselves in the Vidre HaMaisras, the Mishnahs, however, are explaining what each part of the Pesukim means, because if somebody does not fulfill each part of the Pesukim, then the halacha is that he is not allowed to say the video hamaisras at all. So the Torah states that one has to declare that leochalti v'oynimenu. I didn't eat from the tithes in my state of being an oynain. An oynain, at least on a midaraisa level, is somebody whose close relative died on that day and is exempt from keeping positive mitzvahs. And another law which applies to an oynain specifically is that he is not allowed to eat my sashani. And therefore we learn from this Pesach, So if he ate my Sashani in a state of being an Oynein in Yochelis Vados, he is not able to make the de- declaration of Vidri HaMaisras. The Pesach continues with the Aytimimenu B'Tomei, I didn't destroy it in a state of Tumah. And the way you're going to understand this is that it's referring to Biur. And as we learned earlier on in the Perek, if somebody has Tevel at the time of the Biur, so he needs to separate all of the tithes and give them to the various owners. And of course, those tithes, such as Maestro Shane, which need to be destroyed, will have to destroy. Now, part of the declaration is that he didn't do Biur in a state of Tumah. So we learn from there that Ha'im Hefrishoi Tumah, if he separated the Maestro Shane in a state of Tumah while he was Tomei, it's forbidden to make Maishashini Tomei. And so even if he did it as part of the beer process, in Yochelis Vadais, he will not be able to recite the video Hamaisras, because part of the declaration is that he didn't do it in a state of Tumah. And the next part of the Pesach says, I didn't give any of the tithes, and again this is referring specifically to Maishashini, just like the previous two parts of the Pesach. So again he declares, I didn't give of the Maishashini to a dead person. And before we see what the Mishnah states on this Pasuk, we learn from this Pasuk that uses of Maishashenu which are permitted for a living person are forbidden for a dead person. Now the three permitted uses of Maishashenu for a person who is living is eating, drinking, and rubbing on one's body. Now of course a dead person can't eat or drink, so the Pasuk must be referring to anointing and rubbing oil on one's body. And we learn from this Pasuk that one is not allowed to rub oil on a dead body if the oil is Maishashenu. Now the Mishnah takes it a step further, and it tells us that even not the Maishashini itself, but even money which the Maishashini was redeemed onto, even that can't be spent for the sake of a dead body. And therefore, the declaration means that I didn't buy, using the Maishashini money, a coffin or burial shrouds, which is what the dead body is wrapped in, for the dead body. Okay, and the second thing which we learned from the same phrase is learned from the fact that the Mish- that the Pasuk uses the word I didn't give any Maishashini to the dead body. Now, one can't really give anything to a dead body. You can do things for a dead body, but to give something to a dead person, at least physically, doesn't really make sense. And so that word to give teaches us something else concerning live people, and that is I didn't give any of the Maishashini to other Oninim. If somebody else had a close relative who died that day, I didn't give him any Maishashini to eat, and the reason why this is forbidden is because the Torah explicitly says that Maishashini has to be eaten in a state of happiness and rejoicing, and so you can't give it to somebody who just lost a close relative. Shomati b'kei Hashem koi continues the Pasuk, I have listened to the voice of Hashem my God, so what's that coming to add? It's coming to add something else which one has to do with the Maishashini, 
and that is Havi Ace of the Base Habakira. I brought it up to the Base Hamikdash, or at least the area of the Base Hamikdash, namely Yerushalayim. And finally, I've done all that you have commanded me. Ends off the mission in a beautiful way. Samachti. I rejoiced when eating the Maisasheni, and as well as that, Vesimachti boy, I made others happy with the Maisasheni. Meaning I shared the Maisasheni with others. The Carbonus which I brought with the Maisasheni money, I shared with the Levian. And we see that part of this mitzvah was not only to rejoice yourself, but also to make sure that you don't forget about other people's rejoicing. Mishayud Gimel, the Torah then goes on to describe a tefillah, a prayer which one says at the end of the video HaMaisras. And once again, one would only say the Pesukim, but the Mishnah will tell us what exactly each part of the Pesuk refers to. So the Mishnah begins with the beautiful prayer, Hashkifam in Kodshchum and Hashomayim. Look down from your holy living place from heaven. What does that mean? We have done what you decreed upon us. We have done what you, Hashem, commanded us to do. Now it's your turn to do towards us what you promised us. And the Mishnah repeats, Look down from your holy living place from heaven, and bless your people, Yisrael. And very interestingly, the way the Mishnah interprets the blessing to the Jewish people, what is the ultimate blessing? With sons and daughters. And also bless the land which you gave to us, Patal of Motar, with the Jew and reign of Avaldos Behemah, and with lots of children of the animals, may the animals increase. That's considered part of the bracha for the land, because animals gain all of their nourishment from the ground. As you swore to our forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, that you would give us the land, and may that land be Eretz Zavas Cholavodavosh, a land flowing with milk and honey, and what exactly does that mean? That means in order that the produce will have a lot of taste and be very nutritious. And one of the reasons given for why we are giving this whole tefillah at the end of the video, Hamaisra specifically, and why exactly are we asking for these things? Well, the answer is because the reward which the Torah promises for giving the Maisras and the tithes and Sadaka appropriately, the reward for that giving is wealth. So the animals will increase, the produce will be good quality, and that is the prayer which we give to Hashem now, once we have given all of the tithes and declared the Vidya HaMaisras. Mishra Dalad. Now because the part of the Vidya HaMaisras right at the end is this tefillah, and in this tefillah, in this prayer, we mention the land of Eretz Yisrael. We pray for the land which you gave us, as the Posuk said. So that implies that people who were not given the land, people who don't have a portion in Eretz Yisrael, cannot say the video HaMaisras, and therefore, Mekan Omru, from here the Chachamim deduced that Yisrael, a regular Jew, not a Koi, not a Levi, as well as Umamzerim, Mamzerim are people who are born from illegal relations, certain illegal relations, such as if somebody marries a relative of theirs, their child will be considered a Mamzer. Now, although for many laws a Mamzer is not considered a regular Jew, nevertheless he can still have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, Misvadim, regular Jews and Mamzerim are able to say the Vidya Maisras. Avol, but Loigirim Vleavadim Shekharim converts or non-Jewish slaves who were freed, and when they were freed, they converted, which is what happens whenever a non-Jewish slave is freed. So really, they're just a form of a convert, and a convert cannot say Vidya Maisras because they haven't got a portion in Eretz Israel, because the portions were given to the Shavotim, the tribes when they entered Eretz Israel, and they've been passed down by inheritance since then. Which means that since a convert's ancestors were not Jewish, and so never received a portion in Eretz Israel, the convert won't have one either. They haven't got a portion in Eretz Israel, which means that they can't say part of the video Hamaisras. And as we have seen, if you can't say part of it, then you can't really say any of it. 
And our mayor adds, our mayor, our mayor, our mayor says, also cannot say because they didn't take a portion in Eretz Yisrael either. The Kahneman and Levim lived throughout all of Eretz Yisrael. They didn't have their own cities specifically for them. And the truth is, the Torah does say that the rest of the tribes had to set aside 48 cities for the tribe of Levi to live in. However, those cities were still not considered the Karnam and the Nevi'im cities. They were considered the other tribe cities, but were, which were designated for the Karnam and the Nevi'im. And therefore, contrib Meir, that is not considered a portion in Eretz Yisrael. And so they do not say Vidu HaMaisras. On the other hand, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, Yeshlam Ari Megrash. They have the Ari Megrash, which is the name of their 48 cities. And on contrib Yosef, these cities were considered theirs. It wasn't just a gift, sort of from the rest of the tribes, rather these were their 48 cities of inheritance. So the only difference between the Nevi'im and the rest of the tribes of Contribuisi was that the rest of the tribes had their cities all concentrated in one area, whereas the Nevi'im were scattered across all of Eretz Israel. but nevertheless it was considered their own cities, and so their descendants would be able to say Vidri HaMaisras. Mishnah Tesvav, final mission of the Masechta, and the Mishnah begins by telling us that all that we have discussed over the last few Mishnayis was abolished and brought to an end by Yechon Kohen Gadol. This was a Kohen Gadol who lived at the time of the beginning of the second Mesamikdash, and when Ezra came up from Bovel back to Eretz Yisrael, 70 years after the first Mesamikdash was destroyed, so Ezra came back in order to rebuild the second Mesamikdash. However, when he came back up, most of the tribe of Levi stayed in Bovel and refused to accompany Ezra to rebuild the second Mesamikdash. And as a result, Ezra punished them, and the punishment was that they would no longer be able to receive their Maestras. Now it follows therefore that not all of Vidya Maestras could be declared, because part of it is declaring that you separated all of the tithes, and that you separated Maestrasha and you gave it to the Levi, but they didn't give it to the Levi. And because of that, Yechon Kohen Gadol, who was there towards the beginning of the second Mesamikdash, Hevi Hedayas HaMaisa, got rid of the declaration of the Maisras, because it was no longer possible for it to be said. Now because we just mentioned one enactment of Yechon Kohen Gadol, the mission is going to list another four decrees of Yechon Kohen Gadol. Now the first of those decrees regards a custom which the Levim had. The Levim, their main job, one of their main jobs was to sing in the Beis HaMikdash. And their custom was that every day one of these songs which they would sing, one of the Pesukim which they would proclaim, is the Pesukim Tehillim which states, Uro Lomo Sishan Hashem. Wake up, why do you sleep Hashem? Now what that Pesuk is really saying, obviously it's not literal, it's saying, why Hashem do you not protect us from suffering? Why do you allow the nations of the world to be successful and happy, whereas the Jewish people are suffering? However, in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, we had the Beis HaMikdash, we weren't suffering, certainly at the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash, and therefore this song was not appropriate during that time, and therefore, Afu Bittal HaSama'irim, he also nullified the ones who would wake up, meaning the ones who would tell Hashem to wake up, because during that time, the Jews were not suffering so much. Now, he also abolished for Hanukvim, the ones who would make cuts, and this is referring to another practice, which certain people in the Beis Hamikdash during Yechon and Kohen Gadol's time had, and that was that before they would slaughter an animal, which they were about to offer up as a korban on the Mizbeach, they would make a small cut in between its horns, just above the animal's eyes, so the blood would trickle down and go into their eyes, and blind them for a moment, and that would make it much easier to slaughter the animal. Now one is not allowed to offer up as a korban 
an animal which has a wound on it. Now, a small cut above its eyes is not considered a wound. However, it looks like the people were wounding the animal. So if people see that they are cutting the animal and then offering up upon them is Bayach, they might come to the mistaken conclusion that it's permitted to offer up a korban even if it has a wound. And therefore, Yechon Kohen got rid of that practice and he stopped them doing it. Alright, third thing which he instituted, and this concerns the laws of Cholamoid, the middle days of Pesach and Sukkot. And in general, although the halacha is that one is not allowed to work on Cholamoid, if not working would cause him a big loss, then he is allowed to work on Cholamoid. However, this led to many workers still working on Cholamoid, until it got to a point where the craftsmen and the blacksmiths were banging on their hammers all day long, and the marketplaces were full of this noise, and it was a very loud noise, and it was very much against the spirit of Yontav that it was so obvious that so many people were working. They may have had a valid excuse for it, but it was considered a slight disgrace of the Yontav, and therefore says the mission of the Adyomov, up until the Yechon Kengolov's days, Hoya Patish Maccabee Yerushalayim. Hammers would be banging in Yerushalayim. However, when Yerushalayim and Kongol got onto the scene, he stopped them doing this. And finally, the last decree which the Mishnah will mention is regarding Demai. Demai is produce which is bought from an Amharet. An Amharet is somebody who is ignorant of many laws and he's not trusted with regards to the tithes. Now, Yochelin Kongol did a lot of research into the Amharet. He sent messengers all across Eretz Israel and he found out a couple of things. Firstly, he found out that most Amharet, in fact, pretty much all of them, did tithe Truma because they knew that the punishment for eating produce which Truma had not been separated from was death by the hands of Hashem. So pretty much everybody did tithe the Truma. However, there were many of them, although it was not the majority of them, there were still a significant number of people who didn't separate the rest of the tithes. Now, before Yechlon Kengolo came, most people would just buy from an Amoret's produce and eat it, assuming it had been tithed, or there were some people who would go to the Amoret's and ask him whether he tithed the produce. If he said yes, then they would buy the produce from him, no problem. If the Amoret's said no, then they wouldn't buy the produce from him, and they would buy it from somebody else. The reason being that if they bought it from the Amoret's, they would need to separate my Sarishan, my Sa'oni, all the various tithes, and then end up losing out quite a bit. Now, Yochanan Kongol came, and he instituted that we don't believe in Amoretz at all. So even if you were to ask him whether he separated Maestras, there's no point in doing so because we don't believe them. They are not trusted with regards to the tithes. However, Yochanan Kongol said that when you buy produce from an Amoretz, don't ask him whether he tithed it, so it's still a doubt for you whether he tithed it, and you know as a fact that he did tithe Trimmer, and then you should then tithe the rest of the tithes. However, you don't have to give away all of the tithes. What do I mean? So when it comes to Trumus Mysa, Trumus Mysa is only a tenth of a tenth of the produce. It's 1% of the produce. So it's a tiny amount. And anyway, only Kohanim are allowed to eat Trumus Mysa. So Trumus Mysa, you need to separate and give to a Kohen. Mysa Shani, although it's a significant percentage of the produce, it's 10%, nevertheless, you can eat it yourself. So Mysa Shani is also the same. You separate it and you have to eat it in Yerushalayim. However, when it comes to my Sarishan and my Sashani during the years which it would apply, those do not need to be given to the Levi or the poor people. The reason being that since they were only separated out of doubt, the halacha is that one can only receive something from somebody else if he can prove that he is entitled to it. That's known as Hamitsim and Chavero all of Horaya. So only if the Levi or the poor person can prove that they are entitled to the Maiserishan or the Maiserani will they receive it. Now, they can't prove it because we don't know whether the Amharets tithes his produce or not. And therefore, they don't receive those two tithes, and the owner himself can eat those tithes himself. Because unlike Turuma, 
My Sarishan and my Saoni can be eaten by anybody, as long as the owners allow them to. So since over here the owner remains the original owner, because the levy and the poor person can't prove that it should go to them, so the owner can eat all of that so he doesn't end up losing out very much at all. He only really loses out on the Trimus Mysa. Now it's important to note that he does still need to separate and designate the Mycerician and the Mycerani, because without doing that, the whole produce remains Tevel. However, once he has designated it, he is allowed to eat it himself, and all of the produce is no longer considered Tevel. So the Mishnah tells us that over Yomov, in his days, in the times of Yerichon Koen Gadol, one does not need to ask an Amhoaretz about the status of his Demai produce, whether he tithed it, because we don't believe him. Rather, again, what do you do? You buy it from him, you assume that he separated the trimmer, you separate the trimmer's mice and give it to a Kohen, you separate the mice Shani and bring it up to Yerushalayim, and you separate the mice Oni and the mice Rishan, but then you can eat that yourself.